We believe in change and we're prepared for it with new techniques and new approaches. And as for our part, we feel that you're the best pieces of manpower available in this whole region. Let it go out there today, baby. Three, two, one. And once again, our mighty ship is back on course. Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Mama, there goes that man. You roll. Welcome, 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 welcome back to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. It's been a minute, but we're back. We are back, and I have to extend a huge apology to you guys for not being here for such a long period of time. But I'll give you a rundown of what I have been up to. But first and foremost, thank you again for joining me. want to remind you guys of uh, a couple of things. The WadesWordProductions.com website. Go there for all things D-Wade. And a lot of fun stuff involved with that. In addition to that, you can follow me on Twitter at WadesWord. And, of course, on social media, on Facebook. The Sports Talk with Devin Wade page and group on Facebook. And, of course, have to remind you of the sports line. 832-941-6614. That's 832-941-6614. 24 hours a day. We are here for you even if i'm not doing the podcast that line is there for you guys so so thank you so much this time out we are going to hear what's brand new what's brand new with me in addition to that some headlines we are going to get into some we the people where i hear from you guys and hear some comments from you guys and then we'll take a time out in the second half of the show we'll have shots fired and that's about sports beefs there are a couple of them going on we'll get into that in addition to that we will get into Alamon Award for the big dummy of the episode. And in addition to that, before I let go. So all those things, that's that's what we have kind of coming up for you guys. So you definitely want to look forward to that. But first and foremost, let's get into what is brand new, brand new, brand new. Brand new is the segment in which I come to you guys and talk about what's going on with me. Normally, I have been putting this in the second half of the podcast, but I wanted to move it up since it's been a while since I have uh, come to you guys. And again, I sincerely apologize for that. And in a nutshell, what's been going on with me is a lot and nothing. (laughs) So like everybody else, uh, I have been quarantining and probably more so than a lot of folks. And that is because I listen to the medical experts and not the politicians. And quite frankly, I have the luxury of not having to go out as much. And by the way, I'm really scared with my asthma. I'm a little bit more concerned about it. I mean, I'm less concerned than I was, but I'm concerned about it. So I'm not trying to take any chances until I'm ready to have to take chances. So, And I mean, of course, I have to do certain things and I do those things. But by and large, if it ain't that, I'm not doing it right now. Although I, I gave you guys, I said, well, I didn't. I said this on the airwaves. I don't know if I said it on the podcast. I'll give you guys till June first, and we'll see where we are. It seems like in the uh, Greater Houston area, we are at a plateau, creeping up slightly, from what I can tell from the numbers day in and day out. But beyond that, there hasn't been a lot going on in sports other than a lot of hypotheticals. A lot of what are we going to do? When are we going to do it? There's some NFL stuff. I mean, it's been a lot of nonsense uh, going on with sports uh, conversations because there's just nothing to talk about. I mean, of course, we can get into The Last Dance, a, a tremendous documentary, the highest rated documentary ever, ever. 
they had such a captive audience and it meant so much to so many people. I think ESPN really lucked out uh, with the Last Dance documentary. But we'll get into that a little bit more. A lot of what is that going to get paid? Is he going to get signed? All of that kind of stuff. I mean, of course, Andy Dalton signed. I mean, a lot of things have taken place, especially in football. And we have seen a return of NASCAR. So it, I had, did not really see the need to come to you guys a whole lot because quite frankly i haven't been digesting sports to the same levels now i've been doing sports talk on ktsu here in houston uh, every week and and again a lot of that is not very uplifting conversation because it's a lot of how are we going to actually pull this off are we going to have games with fans are we not going to have games with fans are we going to have football when are they going to start football all of those things are kind of this is a hard form to have those discussions in you can't have this is not the form for those kinds of discussions and because again a lot of it is about do you feel safe to come out and are you going to frequent this and we see that this is sort of a very um uh, flowing kind of you know thing here with people's uh, attitudes towards it uh very fluid where you know on some respects you people are really ready to get out and other people are not uh, the trend is leading towards people wanting to get out more and i understand it it's summertime now memorial day weekend is upon us so i get it but for me i have been doing some fun stuff i've been writing a lot more for the stage for theater uh, if you don't know I've, i wrote a book back in 2000 I've, i did a, a a produced a play of my works in 2014 i write quite a bit i write small pieces shorts i've directed i've done a lot of things so i've been writing and i've been doing these audio shorts these little audio plays with some tremendous actors in the greater houston area and essentially what i'm doing is i'm writing telephone conversations we're recording those i mean they're scenarios and theatrical in nature um, but again i've been put, putting those on youtube so mr deb dub look for quarantine conversations that's what you need to look for quarantine conversations and those uh, that's the name of um the series of shorts so i've been doing that been reading more been chefing i don't know if you've seen my instagram dwade 909 been cooking a lot and just been wasting a lot of time i mean i need this kind of time to decompress and kind of let my creative juices flow but at the same time this is not the vacation that you take advantage of like people say oh you know this is a great time it's a tough time because there's a, there are a lot of uncertainties a lot of people around us that are suffering there are a lot of limitations on what we can do i tried to order i'm gonna probably leave the gym and I tried to order some weights and you can't get any weights right now unless you're gonna spend a thousand dollars ain't doing that right now so i mean i mean yeah while well, i have taken advantage of the time i don't think there is a requirement that oh you have to spend every day making your life uh you know the the next stage of your life bigger and better i mean if you have that energy and you want to do that do that if you need to chill and decompress and zone out do that whatever makes you happy whatever makes you healthy that's that's what i say about that but yeah the in short i've been doing some stuff other than sports stuff because i really i miss the sports stuff and every now and then i have see I, I get compelled to say stuff and that's when i have to get 
I have to go ahead and do a podcast because I have some stuff on my mind or you guys prompt me with questions and comments. And I said, well, you know what? Let me get going again. And so it's time. And we, we will not take a, as long of an hi, uh, a hiatus as we have this time. So, and again, I apologize. I know consistency is important. And you guys are looking for venues and for avenues. I mean, we have a large audience and I have not fed you guys. And I certainly apologize for that and won't happen again. So, with that, let's get into some headlines. In headlines, uh, hey, the reality is this thing is about to get going. Things are about to get rolling. Teams, leagues, uh, and really entities all over the sports world are looking for ways to get started in the safest possible way. But the key word is getting started (laughs) the key phrase is getting started they're going to do it it boils down to in reality it boils down to money it's just all about money and i think we realize a, a couple of things have dawned on me as it pertains to especially college sports there's a report out that said that the big five conferences would lose four billion dollars if there was no football season Four billion dollars. Now, that's just not money that's self-contained in the world of athletics for these universities. A lot of schools need that money to fund other things on their campus, to research and have other academic endeavors. It certainly pays for a lot of scholarships for other student-athletes, and it just does a lot to keep universities going. And I think when you think about it in that, from that standpoint, you think, okay, it really is an opportunity here for players, student-athletes, to say, okay, now we want a piece of the pie. We want money. If you are going to put us in a position now, they're going to do it. It's going to happen. I don't care what parameters they put around it. It is going to happen. But I think this is an opportunity to say, hey, we need a bigger piece. We need some money. We need some money out of this deal. It's unfortunate that i mean it's fortunate that sports are this huge and and this popular some people say oh it's a sad state of affairs in society that sports play this big a role but uh, the reality is it it is it does sports do play a a bigger part in the functioning of our society than i think we really realized before this pandemic and so we've seen the world over how important sports are economically and from a morale standpoint and an outlet, people need an outlet and not having these outlets have, have been huge. And I think when you talk about losing $4 billion for the Power Five conferences, if you don't have a season, there's room in there to compensate these student athletes because these guys are putting their lives online and, and it's worth more than the scholarship that they're getting because you have people in the band. You have cross-country runners that are not going to produce a dime for the university that get free educations. There are people with all kinds of academic scholarships. And, and I understand it's academics first. And, yeah, they're getting a free education. But, again, a lot of times these guys are not really – it's a lot of attachments to this scholarship. And so I think – but the, the, here's the problem. This is why it won't happen. Because if you're an 18-year-old, first of all, your concern is not to take a stand – to make money for yourself. You are dreaming about going to the NFL 
or going to the shiny new locker room and having your name in all sorts of newspapers and 100,000 people every Saturday yelling your name and knowing who you are. So you're not thinking about that in the grand scheme of things. And if you do, the litigation will be tied up that your whole entire football career will be over before any of this thing, any of these things uh, run its course through the, the courts of law. So it won't happen because of timing. But again, we saw Northwestern tried to unionize. That didn't go anywhere, and that was shot down. And you've seen other guys here and there try to make uh, make a stand. But it's just not going to happen. At that crucial time, it's just not going to happen. You only have four years. And for a lot of guys, you only got one, two seasons to actually be on the playing field. So are you going to sacrifice that for the greater good? And a lot of kids, 17, 18-year-olds, are not thinking about that. And by the time you're 20, 21, you're ready to go to the league or move on with your life or whatever. But it's a huge deal. It's going to happen. How is it going to happen? I, I don't know. I mean, because there's so many questions if you want to do it right. In the end, are they going to do it right? <laughs> or are they going to do it with the pretense of doing it right? Because to do it right, think about what you have to do. Let's not even involve the fans yet. But to do this right, what do you have to do? What do you have to do? You have to test the players. You have to quarantine the players. And you will have, will have to find safe ways to travel, to play against another. So you're taking 100 guys, or let's say 75 guys that'll travel or whatever, or suit up. But uh, well, you're talking about between 7,500 guys in your program. Whatever, whatever the number is, it's a large number of student athletes. Redshirt guys, guys injured, uh, walk-ons, all of those scholarship athletes, all of these people. You'd have to test all of these guys constantly. Monitor these guys so they won't, can't move around. And if they do move around and get it, what do you do then? I mean, obviously the kid has to be quarantined for 14 days. Now, do you quarantine all the people on the team that have been exposed to this guy? And in that case, what do you do? Do you postpone games? Do you forfeit games? What do you do? What happens if, if a guy tests positive the day after a game and he was asymptomatic but played in a game? What's the turnaround time on the test? Who's going to pay for those tests? Who's going to monitor the programs to make sure they're doing adequate testing? You know, so these are the questions that you have to face before you even talk about having fans in the stands. Now you had Ohio State talk about, well, we can get between twenty and fifty thousand people in a venue for a football game. That's insane. How are you going to do that? Because now we know, and, and I think the uh, one thing people don't talk about: the six feet foot rule is arbitrary. Th this is not. Uh, this is their best guess, but it, it's not really. You you probably need a few more feet than that. And they said that, we, that that loud sort of uh, oratory outbursts, like cheering, like yelling, like talking loud for a long period of time, it projects into the air and carries the disease, the the, the particles that come from the moisture that comes from your the spittle, the 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 the, <laughs> the particles that come from your mouth spread wide if you talk loud. If you open your mouth and, and cheer or do any of those things, and what do you think you're going to do in a stadium? And then, okay, so say you do have twenty to 50,000. Okay, so you're just taking temperatures? What about the people who are asymptomatic who spread the disease? Okay, 
So and then okay, so now you bring in who who's doing the test? Are you just gonna take the temperatures? Okay, so you're just gonna take the temperatures. Okay, so you're gonna monitor temperatures going into the game. Who's going to enforce social distancing? What about tailgating? I mean, so there's so many. What about the schools that don't have kids on campus? So there's so many, and I hate to be sort of a killjoy, but I mean, these are the things that if you want to do this right, these are the things that you're gonna have to answer. What I think is going to happen is, hey, we just gonna the hell with it. Let's just go play. And whatever happens, we'll try, but whatever happens, happens. And God forbid a kid dies or a, a group of kids gets severely ill. What do you do as a parent? Do you allow your kid to go? Because we're not even getting into the pros right now. We're just talking about we're just talking about the kids right now. Let's talk about high school. Same thing. What are you gonna do? How are you gonna do this? What are you going to do? And again, I my imaginary son, my imaginary son, I hate to say it, my imaginary son would probably play. If he had a passion to play. But again, I don't know though. I don't know. He's my imaginary son. If you're a parent, you're gonna let your kid go out there and play? Uh now again, chances are this kid gonna die. No, chances are not, the kid is not gonna die. Are the chances that he'll be sick forever? No, no. A lot of the younger people get over. But the cases where that doesn't happen. Are you willing to risk it? I mean, these are tough, tough questions. And I think that they are going to bury their head and go forward. Look, they've opened up all these states. There's not been a significant drop-off. The, the numbers have not. They've gone down in places like New York, but not significant enough to say, hey, you know what, we're over this. Not to mention the second wave they anticipate when things get cold. So these are the things that are going on. Uh, a couple of things. The NBA is talking about going on to this campus-style thing, maybe at Disney World. Okay, um, that's that's cool. But you know what I don't want? And I want to get your take on this. 832-941-6614. What I don't want is a NBA champion. What I think they ought to have is what I think the MLS is talking about. Have a NBA cup. Okay, so you don't win an NBA world title. You had you win the the NBA Cup, and, and I think that's a good way to have a champion that's not a traditional champion. Because I don't think it's fair to crown a champion after these guys will be off probably three or four months by the time they get started. Because they're, they're still talking about six to eight weeks away from getting started, and we're almost in June now. So you're talking about July. Now you're always already, already talking about moving the start of the next season back to probably Christmas, which is probably a good thing in the long run. It will change everything about basketball, but uh, I think that that's something that the NBA had talked about anyway. So that may happen. But you are going to seed everybody according to what happened four months ago. Some guys had access to workout facilities. Some guys don't, didn't. Some guys do now. Some guys still don't. You know, you have guys that are not in the hometowns in which they play. It, it's a mess. And so on top of that, you're going to crown a champion? No, you're not a champion. You win the NBA Cup. Now, because I think that uh, people point to, well, in the strike shortened season, they crowned a champion. Okay, but that, once they got started, they got started and they went through. You know, they was everybody started and went straight through. This was something. This is a tale of two seasons. This is like this is gonna be like four months between the time they play. I think the last game was the early what March eleventh, twelfth, fourteenth, somewhere in there. 
and they won't get started till at least July 14th, 15th. I don't know. I, I just don't think that that is the backdrop in which you have a national, a, a world title. So it, where you're on the same level as the Rockets in 94, 95, or the Bulls, or the Lakers, or the Celtics who won their championships. I just don't think it's the same thing. I don't think it's the same thing. Maybe you disagree. Because I'm to the point now, I did not want to see the NBA continue. I just said, okay, we'll scrap it and we'll start fresh in the fall. But the guys started missing money. Guys wanted to play. And guys, they're going to play because they're going to get paid. So that's going on. Also, um, when you talk about Major League Baseball, they're trying to work through their rules to see how they're going to move forward. But even then, what do you do? Sequester the guys? I, I, I don't. I just don't know. There's no way in football, for sure. No way in football. No way in basketball to separate. And then what happens the next time a Rudy Gobert gets COVID? Shut the whole team down. Shut the whole league down. What do you do? It is. It's a nightmare. And we, they, we just have to find a way to work through all of these issues. So give me your take on any of that. 832-941-6614. Uh, NASCAR, they got going. No fans. And I saw soccer overseas. Oh, I did see with three Premier League guys tested positive already. And they haven't really gotten started. Bundesliga started. And I saw one guy kissing another guy on the cheek. I mean, it's a celebratory situation. But still, that's not social distancing. You know, they're telling guys no high fives, no hugs. That's not going to happen in real life. I don't know, man. It, it's, uh, I did watch NASCAR because it was the only show in town. I don't really care much about the golf. I guess if nothing else is on, I'll watch golf. I have watched a lot of old sports stuff. Uh, not as much as some people, but I've watched some old stuff. Uh, I've done that. So what do you think about any of that? Baseball, football, basketball, 832-941-6614. Has some, uh, some passings in the world of sports. Uh, when you talk about the toy cannon, passed away, Bob Watson, the bull for the Houston Astros, both those former Houston Astros uh, pass away and I said this on Twitter my first group of Astros that I remember really knowing all of them and rooting for Bob Watson was the first baseman on that team that's J.R. Richard uh, Joe Sambito Jose Cruz Cesar Cedeno Enos Cabell um, let's see uh, our Howe was on the team who actually recovered from COVID he was in ICU but he's better but yeah the, that first group of Astros the, with the rainbow orange uniforms those are my guys Terry Poole, uh, Raphael Landestroy, um, Joaquin Anderhart, Alan Ashby. So I'm bringing, if you are from the Houston area, you you know some of those names if you're of a certain age. So uh, those were my teams, uh, the, the the group that appeared in the Bad News Bears. How about that? You, uh, go back and look at the cameo by the Houston Astros in the Astrodome. Actually, that was Bad News Bears 2. So it was in the sequel. Also, Phyllis George. Phyllis George was on what is I don't know what the name of the show was CBS or whatever the football pregame show of the seventies. She was also a Miss America from Texas. Beautiful, beautiful lady, and boy, she added for the first one to add eye candy to <laughs> to sports programming. 
it changed the world because after her it was Jane Kennedy, and then all of a sudden we saw a stretch in there where you had all of these, you know, you you added these really really attractive ladies. Now I think we, we of course we've evolved and gotten past that and to just judge a woman based on her credibility to do the job. In some cases, although you still see some people who get p big paydays and they get a lot of love because they get a lot of ratings because certain segments of society deem them attractive. We see, we see that a lot. But Phyllis George was the first one. But, but I mean, I, you know, again, she was, it was uh, Jimmy Greek, Herb Cross, Brett Musburger, Phyllis George. Those are those were the ones. And then she was replaced by Jane Kennedy. But a beautiful lady. And I, because I grew up, but again, that was the earliest stages of me really following football. And she was one of the, the people who did that. And then, of course, today we lose Jerry Sloan, coach of the Utah Jazz. Well, very familiar with how tough this guy was and what he did. Uh, I think what it was Frank Layden he he replaced in Utah, but was there forever and ever and ever. And just a great coach, tough guy, tough guy as a player. I don't remember his playing days, but they said he was a tough SOB. Um, but he had dementia and Parkinson's, and he had been sick the last few years, so he passed away. So with that, let's go to a segment that we call We the People. Time for We the People. In the We the People segment, I take phone calls from you guys and I post a, a couple of questions, poll questions for you on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group page on Facebook. And now a lot of it revolved around the last dance. Uh, since that's what everybody's talking about, I took the opportunity to ask you guys some questions. Because you know who was omitted, really omitted during the, the 10 episodes of Last Dance? The Houston Rockets winning in 94 and 95. No one mentioned it at all. Not at all. No one. I don't. Not at all. And I understand it was about the Bulls. And it was about Michael Jordan and the team and Phil Jackson and Jerry Krause. All that. I get it. I get it. I get it. But not to mention them at all. Not to say. That, and I always want to remind people that in 95, Jordan was back. He was there, and he lost. He didn't get to the finals because he couldn't beat Orlando. And the Rockets swept Orlando. And they'll say, well, oh, he came back late in the season. He did. He did. He came back late in the season. But he was there. And if you can play, if you were on the court, you were there, and it counts. So you had your shot in 95. You didn't get it done against Orlando. You didn't get to us. We were there. And I'll say we because if you have a championship in Houston, it's a we. If you don't have a championship, it's a they. But when you win it all, it's for the H, baby. It's a weak thing. So the first question I ask you guys, would the Rockets still have won championships in 94 and 95 if Jordan had played full seasons? And, of course, the vote was pro-Rockets all the way. It was 70% that said yes, 20% said no, and 10% said at least one championship. So that's how the polling went on that. Give me your thoughts on that, 832-941-6614. I tend to think, and yes, I'm biased, but I tend to think the Rockets would have won both of those. Clyde was late in the game. It would have been tougher in 95 had Jordan played a full season because Clyde was not the defensive headache. Although they would put Ellie on him. They would have ran Ellie on him. I think Vernon Maxwell was a better matchup for Mike in 94. But in 95, it would have been tough. Now, at that time, think about this. At that time, Vernon was off the team early in the playoffs or late in the regular season. When he he 
left, quit, whatever, however that I forget exactly how that went, but I know he was mad. He was not happy. He blew up at Rudy T, and at some point, Rudy T had to had to make a move. And so I think he was – I know he was gone. He was not even on the roster. I'm trying to think of when exactly that happened, but he wasn't there. Clyde was there. Ellie was there. Cassell was there. Kenny Smith. Those are the guys that they would have made – well, they would have threw Ellie, I think, and I think they would have – I mean, obviously Clyde on Jordan, and that's a better matchup for the Bulls, but they didn't have an answer for a dream. They just didn't have an answer for dream at all. So while the, everybody tries to shortchange the championships, Jordan didn't say anything about it. They didn't mention the Rockets. They just mentioned the teams that they beat in the finals. They didn't mention 94-95, which, again, I get it. All right. I, I, well, I don't get it. I, I think you should have at least mentioned that. It didn't even. It was like 94-95 never happened, but that's fine. We know what happened. We know what happened. So let's go on to the next one. The next question revolved around what happened after the series. ESPN did a poll of 600 people and asked them of different age groups, they asked them, who's the better player, Michael Jordan or LeBron James? Now, again, for me, it's a no-brainer. And I don't think, I mean, I think for most people, especially those who were there, it's a no-brainer. But I asked you guys the question, are you surprised that in the ESPN poll, Jordan was voted best by a whopping 58-point margin? It, it was just a blowout in a way that I'm I'm pleasantly surprised by. And so... And and then again, I don't. I guess this. I don't remember if this was before or after the series. But nonetheless, they had 600 people, and it was MJ by 58 points, and a, a huge margin in which people just said, "Hey, it's MJ all day." So I asked you guys, were you surprised by the verdict? And a large percentage of you guys said, the majority of you guys, 60% said, "No, it's MJ all day." Uh, now, others uh, said they were surprised by the poll and that LeBron was not getting his love. So there were votes for that. So, I, I mean, I think it's MJ all day. I'm not surprised. Now, what I do think, and I said this, and many other people think the more apt comparison is Kobe versus LeBron. Who would you choose? That's what the, That was the question. Who would you choose, Kobe or LeBron? And again, maybe it's a anti-LeBron backlash. Maybe you can't appreciate the guys in the moment, but it's Kobe. And and that was by a vast majority in our polling. So Kobe won, and LeBron came a distant second uh, to Kobe Bryant. And now that is what happened in the polling on the poll questions that I asked you guys on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page, uh, group page on Facebook. And and again, you can call me eight three two nine four one six six one four. If you want to follow up on that, we also took some phone calls. Let's go to the phone lines and see what you guys were talking about uh, as it pertains to the last dance or whatever you want to talk about. What's up, Devin Wade? It's your boy Nate Jones calling the time in once again. Just wanted to touch base on that post you put up with Kobe and LeBron, whether that's a more apt comparison than, say, uh, LeBron versus Michael Jordan. I personally, a few thoughts on this. I, I'm going to try to get it all in one. I think the MJ-LeBron comparison conversation was created by media to generate ratings because they knew that, and in part, they're partially right in this sense. Every generation want to have their own goal. I mean, if you go back, it's old schoolers that say Oscar Robinson was the best. You got old schoolers that say Kareem was the best. You got old schoolers that say Russell, Jordan, Bird, Magic, online, you know what I'm saying, respectively speaking. So I understand, you know, we always try to find that new goal. I understand it. But the reality is... 
I think the most apt comparison for LeBron James, because I think this question is mostly about LeBron James, in my opinion, because he's hot right now, is Larry Bird. He played the same position as LeBron. They were both small forwards. They both scored a lot. They both they both rebounded a lot. They both assisted a lot. Won MVPs, finals MVPs. They both got three championships. So, I mean, they close to each other on that note. They tied, actually. So, I mean, I just think that the only clip, people overrate, in my opinion, athleticism. And so that's why people automatically all rip on dismiss that comparison. They're like, oh, man, LeBron's a better, LeBron's a better athlete. This ain't even no comparison. But basketball, anybody that's ever played basketball, they really know basketball. No, it ain't just about athleticism. Like, it's about the mental game as well, the, the logistics, what goes into being at the right spot, the right place, and knowing where your spot is on the court and getting there and making things happen. It ain't just about athleticism, because if it was about athleticism, then only the best athletes would ever win. And then we know that's not really the case. We, <laughs> you got teams like the Spurs. They were never the most athletic team, but they knew how to play the game, and they won. And they would beat more athletic teams, so... You know, I think the most apt comparison is not necessarily LeBron versus uh, Kobe or MJ. I think it's Larry Bird. And if you were to compare LeBron and Kobe, I think it's just two different two different styles. They were asked to do two different things and two different systems. LeBron is a is an on the ball guy. He got to have a ball. There is really no off the ball with LeBron. Kobe and MJ, their games were no more nuanced in my opinion. They had a lot more to them. And I know I'm running close to time so i'm gonna get off in there and let you chime in on the rest Peace. great call from nate i certainly appreciate it he's a great actor too by the way he's on one of the shorts so if you want to check him out on youtube you can check him out doing that you know what he brings up a very something you rarely hear in sports arguments you talk about nuance and really going next level and sort of thinking about this and i think see when i compare guys and you're talking about the elite of the elite of the elite okay you're talking about the, the greatest of all time the thing that I look at and the reason why I will pick Kobe and Jordan over LeBron is because of that intangible. That I, no matter where we are, what time of day it is, what era we're in, I am going to beat you. And I think Bird had that. However, I think, I think we have to give LeBron a little bit more credit for being cerebral and not just using athleticism. He does know how to put guys around him to make him successful. He knows what he needs to be successful. He builds teams. He's a, he's a, a quasi-GM. I give him credit for his basketball acumen. I, I think he's a very intelligent basketball player. So from that standpoint, he does not just rely on his athleticism. So he is a thinker of the game. So And I think his longevity is such. It's a very hard. It's not a an irrational conversation. It's not. I mean, it really isn't because Bird was the consummate winner. He made plays for his teams. The difference is, okay, so while Bird was surrounded by Hall of Famers, probably you can make an argument for a top five all-time team. That that team, when you talk about Dennis Johnson, Hall of Famer, Robert Parrish, Hall of Famer, Kevin McHale, Hall of Famer, Bill Walton on the bench, Hall of Famer. Uh, I mean, you know, if you encompass his his early pro career in, in Portland and what he did in college. Danny Ainge, a quality player. You had, uh, you know, great coaching. And, but it was a tougher league then. It hadn't went gone through expansion. So it wasn't a, it, it was a much more difficult. And he had to go through Magic Johnson and then Isaiah Thomas. And then at the end, through Bird to win championships. So And he had to go through Moses Malone and Dr. J and Andrew Toney and Maurice Cheeks. 
and, and Bobby Jones, and he had to go through uh, the Houston Rockets. So, so I mean, Ralph Sampson and Lajuan. And then before that, Moses Malone in 81. So he, you know, he had a tougher road. One of the things I, I that really erodes a lot of the conversation from LeBron is the fact that he has not beaten the quality teams to get to the championship. I mean, this has been a historically weak Eastern Conference for the majority of LeBron's time in the NBA. I mean, it just wasn't a – I mean, you went in towards the end of the Boston time where they were getting old. There was no really good second-best team year in and year out. There was no other Goliath in the Eastern Conference. So, he – from that standpoint, he had an easier road. It's a tough, tough conversation. I don't think it's an, an, a, an irrational, crazy conversation to have. But I, I would give it – I think I would give it to LeBron – for longevity and you know, and his ability to do some things on the defensive side that Bird couldn't do, so that that's why I go with that one. But I think that's a very interesting argument. Want to get your thoughts on that for the next time out? Eight three two nine four one six six one four. What do we have next? Hey man, this is Pernell Harvey uh, talking about the last dance. There were uh, three things that I really liked about it. Uh, one was was just Rodman. I think this guy was. I mean, I just loved him as a, as a player because of his work ethic, his rebounding, and so it was really just good to see some backstory on him and and just some of the things that that he did and and some of the things that he even went through. The second thing is I'd forgotten about uh, what happened with Steve Kerr's dad. I mean, I remember it when it happened back in the day, but it's been so long since that happened. But it was just uh, interesting just to see all that come back again and. Um, and just how he's become the type of player and coach as a result of, of those things. So that was just that was just real good to see. And then the last thing was just how Phil Jackson, he, he was just a different kind of dude, just managing all those different personalities and keeping it together. And I guess what really impressed me more so than anything was just watching the job that he did working with, with Rodman. Because the thing about it is that, you know, I guess when Rodman believes he's a, a part of something, you're going to get 110% from this guy. And so it was just really great to see those those three things in the documentary. But I thoroughly enjoyed it, and it came on at a great time. Thanks a lot, Pernell, for checking in. We certainly appreciate it. A lot of interesting things. A lot of stuff we knew. Well, I knew. I mean, and people, if, if you're old enough, you remember certain things. I did not remember Steve Kerr's father. What stood out to me about Steve Kerr is, A, he was fantastic in the documentary but he kind of downplayed his prowess as a basketball player coming out of high school he's like yeah i only had one one offer for a scholarship what happened to be lute olsen in the arizona wildcats and i think that team really had a lot of success i, I forget which bunch of arizona wildcats i think he was with sean elliott so I think that was the group that he was with. I, I, I forget the group he was with, but Arizona had already been a a, a well-established, if not elite, program under Lute Olsen. So he kind of downplayed that part. Uh, but it does give you insight into the things that, that make him such a great coach now, especially probably what he learned from Phil Jackson. Phil Jackson, of course, it's easy in a way 
to have so much talent and win. But it is hard to manage those types of personalities, get those guys to buy in. And I think it takes a unique person to handle that. I think as a coach, you think authority first, like I'm the leader. And it takes a great leader. And we see this more with these younger coaches uh, and not so much with the generation uh, that Phil came from. But you see it with Kurt and you see it even with like Andy Reid and a few other. I mean, you see their exceptions, Pete Carroll in Seattle, the guys will allow their players to be their play, you know, to be themselves, do what they do. And if, you know, I think Pete Carroll is a very similar kind of coach in that way. He'll let guys be themselves and do the sort of the outlandish stuff uh, that they need to do as long as it doesn't take away from the team performance. And, and the other thing he talked about was uh, Rodman. There's a 30 for 30 that you should check out on Dennis Rodman, but a very complex character. And he really kind of evolved. And I can tell you, even as good as he was on the Detroit Pistons, that team was so stacked. He probably, if you would have asked a man on the street, to name the Pistons in the, in that day, during the, the, the bad boy era, he probably would have been the seventh or eighth guy you would have named because you would have went Isaiah, Dumas, Vinnie Johnson, John Sally, uh, Rick Mahorn. I mean, you would you would have went through all of those guys before you got to <laughs> Mark Aguirre before you got to Rodman. But Rodman is a complex uh, person. You just hope that he gets the sort of help and support that he needs because even in the 30 for 30, very emotional, uh, trouble kind of situation as a parent. A lot, lot going on with Dennis Rodman. Um, but let's see what we have next. Hey, Devin. This is EL. I was just calling to give my take on the, the Jordan series. Man, I was born in 93. So to be honest, I didn't really you know grow up watching Jordan too much. But my biggest takeaway from the documentary, you know, ever since I can remember, it's always been... Oh, I want to be like Mike, and uh, basically Jordan's the GOAT, and they always had him on this pedestal, which I get. You know, I mean, the championships speak for themselves. Of course, growing up, I can never afford his shoes, but always wanted a pair. But just watching the documentary, I can see that, uh, not to get too philosophical, uh, philosophical, but I just really wish people could appreciate stars while they were still shining and you know, back then, it seems like people just hated on him so much. Uh, I mean, going after a millionaire's slight gambling here and there at right after his father died, I just thought was a low blow. And I just really have a greater appreciation for, you know, guys like LeBron, guys like Steph, who have to play in this media-driven era with social media and just everybody in your business all the time. And, uh, yeah, I just think... Uh, we need to appreciate all these players a little bit more, man. As always, we appreciate you checking in, EL. Let me say this about Jordan. Jordan was loved. Jordan was really, really loved. In retrospect, when you look at all of those things, they add up. But day in and day out, the love for Jordan was there. You have to understand that, that you know, you had ESPN 24 hours a day. You didn't have, like, it, it wasn't the same as it is now. So you you didn't have access or just in-depth access to every aspect of his life, which I think makes I think to your point, EL, it does make life much, much more difficult for LeBron James and Steph Curry. And I give LeBron all the credit in the world for navigating this the way he has I, more than a basketball player. He has lived his life in the public eye better than just about any athlete I could think of. Steph Curry is another one. 
that is like that. Where these guys just manage it. And, but, I, but you think about it. LeBron has done it longer than anybody else because he started when he was in the eighth grade. So I'll give him credit for that. But Jordan was loved. And, you know, I think Magic Johnson may have been in that that category of most loved players during that era. I know Magic was super, super loved. Everybody loved, loved Magic. And even the people who – I was a Boston Celtics fan, so I didn't like the Lakers. But you didn't – you couldn't hate on Magic. He was just such an infectious personality. You, you just liked Magic Johnson. I think Jordan – of course, anybody when you win that much for that long. For me, of course, as a Houstonian and a Rockets fan, we wanted to beat those guys. So it wasn't like a hate thing. I will say this. I think the hate is kind of mischaracterized. After he walked away from the game and then his dad, you know, got killed, people were looking for some sort of – they were trying to figure out what really was going on with Michael Jordan. And then, of course, from that springs a lot of conspiracy theories. Can you imagine what it would have been like these days had something like that happened to Michael Jordan? It would have been – bananas it would have broke twitter but in that situation i mean i think people more than anything more than hating on him i think a lot of people are really trying to figure out what is this about is is this related somehow all these weird because we had never seen someone walk away from the game at the height of being the best I mean, jim brown did it in the 60s but it wasn't the same when jordan for him to walk away when he did still in his prime People were looking for answers, and they could not figure out why he would do this. And then, of course, something tragic like that happens, and you try to figure out, okay, well, what is, what's really going on here? Is this somehow related? I never thought so, and I didn't think that those, those conspiracy theories really had legs. But, of course, people just were looking for answers. I mean, of course, you had that element of people who are just haters in that mix. But I think more than anything, Jordan was really, really loved, much more so than LeBron. Much more so than even Kobe and much more than Shaq and, and those guys. Jordan was beloved. And, you know, it. I mean, so in even his adversaries just had to respect, how, you know, how great he was. We have one more call. What do we have here? Devin Wade, what up? It's Nate Jones. Just calling the time in some more on this last dance. I just want to get down to the nitty gritty what we're talking about with this pizza story. Like, I, don't, I consider myself a fairly thoughtful logical, practical individual. That's that's the mindset in which I use to pretty much approach all things. And I just don't know, man. Like, so they ordered the pizza. I assume they didn't put it in my name. I assume they were smart enough to order it under one of their names or, you know, some fictitious made-up name like Devin Wade or something, you know? Something they ain't going to recognize, right? And then, so since when do pizza, man, come all the way to your hotel room door? Like, especially if you Michael Jordan, like, do you really believe five guys walked into this hotel with a pizza, took the elevator all the way up to Michael Jordan's room in the penthouse where he playing the piano and shit, and then come to the door with a box of pizza? And his trainer and his security people was like, all right, this is legit. Let me serve Michael this. Like, and I know Michael was probably like, man, that, I'm hungry. Excuse my language, but it was probably worse than that. I'm sure he was like, F that. You mother, give me something to eat. You know, you know how Michael talks to people. And so, you know, I know understand the man was probably hangry, but ain't no way in hell. You know, his trainer said it. I didn't feel good about this. I don't feel, Mike, I don't feel good about this. And Mike probably cussed him out again, but damn, dog, sometimes you just don't. Look, I would have just said, the pizza ain't come, Mike. I don't know what's going on. 
the pizza place and closed down. We can't get you a pizza. And I'm just going to have to get yelled at. But I just don't believe the story, man. I don't believe five guys delivered this pizza and they just let Michael engulf this. I think something else went down. I don't know what. I would really like to know. I don't know if him and Dennis Rodman snuck out on a plane together to Vegas real quick, you know, because they had two days in between them games. I don't know if they did that. And then, you know, one thing one thing got out of hand. Dennis Rodman made Jordan take shots. He lost the bet. And maybe he was just that hungover, man. But I don't believe the whole piece of the story, dog. It just don't. I want to hear what you think about it because you, you seem like a logical, practical, thoughtful individual as well. So Devin Wade, chime in. Peace. Okay, now we're talking about the flu game in Utah game six. And he was exhausted and sweating and sick. And it came out of nowhere. And he didn't have residual effects the next couple of days. So he, he was he seemed to be fine after that one day. So that, that tells you that's probably it's probably food poisoning. And it's Utah. And I Vernon Maxwell tweeted this the other day, uh, former Houston Rockets uh, guard said that hey, no, he, he wouldn't have eaten the pizza. He doesn't, you know, he never ate a lot in Utah. Or something to that effect. I'm paraphrasing, but I think it was kind of known because they were in the Rockets division. So we were back. I mean, they were bitter rivals for. Uh, for the Rockets, although, and I know the Rocket fans hated Utah, and a lot of weird things happened when uh, our teams went to Utah. So I believe it, and I do believe the five guys showed up. I'm surprised that the hotel allowed that, but I believe it, and maybe it was because it was after hours they weren't staffed. I don't, I don't know, and I and I believe that Mike would have eaten the pizza because all kinds of crazy things happen to him all the time. A lot of starstruck kind of stuff. Uh, but in Utah, he should have known better. And I, and like I said, in Salt Lake City, everybody knows, they all know who's staying where. We know that here in Houston for, for like the finals. We knew where the Knicks were staying. We, knew, we know where the major teams usually stay for the finals or for the Super Bowl or whatever. And in Utah, I'm sure, you're talking about Salt Lake City, Utah. Everybody knew everything about where everybody was. So I do believe, yeah, they knew if, if it wasn't Michael Jordan, it was a Chicago Bull. They knew that they were delivering to a Bull. And, and so I do think from that standpoint, it really happened. So with that, going to take time out here from our sponsor, Cobank Homes, and our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy. Coming up, shots fired and the Lamont Award. And before I let go, this is the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast on any platform in which you get your podcast. And, of course, wadesworthproductions.com. Sports Talk with Devin Wade wants to thank our sponsor, Kofi Bankus and CoBank Homes. The vision at CoBank Homes is simple, and it stems from the belief that clients can trust CoBank to guide them to realize one of, if not the single largest investment decision they will ever make, their home. CoBank simply looks to build lifelong relationships through service. They do this by using faith, knowledge, and technology to guide clients through the process of achieving their real estate goals. Be it buying, selling, or investing in real estate, contact Kofi at 832-757-7950. That's 832-757-7950. CoBank Homes through Keller Williams. DJ.
Welcome back to Sports Talk with Devin Wade Podcast. Our guy DJ Anarchy in the background on the mix. He's our resident DJ. But if you have music you'd like for us to play on the podcast, please email us. Music at wadeswordproductions.com. It doesn't matter the genre. It could be bluegrass, classical. I always mention bluegrass. I don't know why I mention bluegrass. We've never had someone submit bluegrass. But if blue, whatever, bluegrass, classical, it doesn't matter the genre. As long as it's radio edit, we are primarily family friendly uh we will take mixes if you are a dj and you're in the mix hey uh, we'll play a portion at the mix of the mix at the halfway point and a more expansive portion at the end of the show and if you have a song hey if you're a new artist and you want to just have a diverse audience a wide audience from all over the country just submit it to us music at wadeswordproductions.com and we will get that on for you now before i get into uh, the shots fired portion and the lamont award which is still coming up for the b dummy of the episode i want to go into how i get into the rabbit hole you you i talked about this at the beginning of the show how there a lot of times i just don't i can't account for what i did with all of my time and all of my days and all of my late nights now i've been staying up really really late at night or into the wee hours of the morning uh, which is not great but i'm a night creature sort of by nature but nonetheless so this is how it starts so I've been listening to, you know, I'm a music guy. So I have listened to a lot of music. Been listening to a lot of the late, great Roy Hargrove. So listening to Hargrove, came across a version of a Roy Hargrove song done by Candy Dolfer. The name of the song is Strasbourg Saint Denis. That's the name of the song. Nice version on YouTube. Not, I wouldn't say that I've been Candy Dolfer fan. But nonetheless, that led to, again, this is the YouTube rabbit hole we're talking about. Then it leads me to a clip of an old Kenny G performance live. So from there, there's a clip for Chuck Mangione. From Chuck Mangione, Feel So Good, which is a crossover song in the late 70s, right? Maybe you don't, maybe like three people know what I'm talking about. Then that goes to another Chuck Mangione song called um, Give It All You Got. Now, what's significant about that song? That song was the theme song from the 1980 Winter Olympics in Lake Placid, New York. That got me to thinking about all the wonderful things that happened in the 1980 Winter Olympics. And I think most people think first the USA hockey team beating the Russians, which was as significant as it gets, as big an upset as ever happened in the Olympics ever. I mean, there's there's probably, I would say, probably the biggest Olympic moment in American history. Depends on the type of conversation you want to have about it. If you want to talk about social significance, you got to go back to 68 to Mexico City. But if you want to talk, and and you could talk about the 84 Olympics and Carl Lewis, and I mean, you can have a conversation, but definitely from a patriotism team situation, you could talk about the dream team in 92. But I think you have to include, uh, at the top of all of those conversations, you have to include the talk of the 1980 USA Olympic hockey team beating Russia. But I also thought about one of my childhood crushes, Ty Babylonia and Randy Gardner, and how they, uh, America's heart was broken when Randy Gardner could not perform with Ty Babylonia. And I was in love with Ty Babylonia. I just, that was the one for me at the age of seven or eight, whatever I have at the time of the Olympics, I probably was seven, but I just knew that she was 18 at the time. Just knew that that was the one for me, seven year old me. 
And I was crushed along with her, seeing her cry. And when they couldn't win, they won the world championships in 1979. I thought that they were going to win it in 80. Uh, everybody thought, oh, again, I was not an analyst at seven. But I knew that they were favorites because Jim McKay kept telling us that they were the favorites. So my heart was broken when they lost. But I'll say that to say this. I just knew at the time that the day would come where I could shoot my shot. We were going to take the love boat to Fantasy Island and live happily ever after. And they were going to do a, a Saturday night movie for us on ABC. <laughs> this is how I, I kill my time during the quarantine. This is how I get lost in space. Oh, I've gone. Oh, I have done everything on YouTube. I've gone to, down dark corridors of YouTube that I had never imagined I would have gotten to musically. And I'm looking at how to reorganize my pantry. I have no interest at all in organizing my pantry. But however, you know, you, you go down the rabbit hole. And I mean, I, you, I, I've seen so much stuff. It's unbelievable. YouTube is crazy. But it's a time killer in a big big way and uh, yeah so that's my Ty Babylonia story I, and probably 99% of you don't even know who she was but she was she she was that was she was for me she's on Twitter and so yeah she was and then she did ice capades and and what you know I never I mean I would get look I'm not a ice skating fan so let's let's remove that part of the conversation but back then you knew who you knew Peggy Fleming and Dorothy Hamill and you know debbie thomas later on so yeah holla if you hear me 832-941-6614 832-941-6614 yeah that was that was the seven-year-old eight-year-old me uh, in 1980 watching the olympics so for more content go to wadewordproductions.com And by the way, cannot forget about the 1936 Olympics when you talk about great upsets, great patriotic moments in American Olympic history. Jesse Owens going into uh, into the face, to the face of Adolf Hitler and just dominating and really showing the Nazis what it is and how we get in and how the bros get in. That's not to be taken literally. It's time for a segment that we call Shots Fired, where we get into sports beefs. And there are a number of them that are going on currently. And there's a lot of retro beefs that have gone on and been brought to light uh, during the 10-part documentary, Last Dance. And the one I want to delve into, I, I, I want to talk about, I, I hate that Barkley and Jordan are beef. I, I hate that. You want to see them be boys again, and you want to tell Jordan, kind of get over yourself, stop tripping, and embrace, unless it's something that we don't know. If it's just about him criticizing MJ as a GM, let it go, Mike. I mean, that's your boy. He, he has to keep it real. You don't want yes men in your life, or maybe you do. I don't know how you get down, but it's wrong for you to ice Charles Barkley. But he, he none the worse for wit. He's all right. He's good. He's good to go with that. But the beef I want to talk about, Horace Grant and Michael Jordan. So it all really started in the course of the documentary when Michael Jordan said that Horace Grant 
was the source. He was the snitch. He was the he was the guy. He was the source for Sam Smith's uh, Jordan Rules book, the first book that really painted Jordan in a bad light, and it really created hell in Jordan's life for a little bit. And he blamed Horace Grant. Horace Grant in the documentary denied it. But then afterwards, I guess the backlash was so bad and the lights got so bright after the episode aired that he went back and said, well, wait a minute. If you want to call me a snitch, we can we can meet up. We can talk about this. And if you don't want to talk, we can handle it some other way. And then it's also there was also some report in which he said, uh, well, the, the report was Jordan wouldn't let him eat. If, if they lost, he wouldn't let Horace Grant eat. Horace Grant denied that and said that he uh, tried to go after Jordan on the plane. He wasn't having that, blah, blah, blah. We know that Orlando in 95 with Horace Grant beat the Bulls, and maybe that is the source of Jordan's anger or his not, – not anger because they don't uh, – they say both. They say uh, that there's no real animosity there. That they kind of like each other, but uh, this was a real – a couple of real points of contention. But, you know, then, then Horace Grant goes to this, well, you're the snitch. You talked about your rookie year, all the players doing cocaine and drugs, and you just came – and that's a snitch. Got really kind of silly, but I have to say this: Horace Grant, you cannot swing at the champ. I mean, you it's, there's no win there. No one really cares what you have to say. What Jordan said is the way people will perceive it forever. Now, whatever reason Jordan believes you were the source, he was adamant. Horace Grant was the source, no doubt about that. But nonetheless, in that beef, the winner is clearly Jordan. You just can't, you can't win, Horace Grant. I mean, all you can do is deny, but don't say, oh, you know, I would have swung on Mike. And I said this on KTSU Sports Talk. Had you swung on Mike, your career would have been short in the NBA. David Stern would have made sure that. There wouldn't have been no Horace Grant in Orlando. He would have ended that career. Just take that L. You know you weren't the source if you weren't the source, but clearly Michael Jordan believes that you were the source. So the winner in this sports beef, it's got to be Michael Jordan. So with that, it is time for the Lamont Award. I don't want to wish you no bad luck, but I hope your ship sinks. With no lifeboats and no life preservers and a school of piranhas surrounding you, you big dummy. The Lamont Award goes to the player, team, entity, organization, personality, someone in or around the world of sports that we deem to be the Lamont of the episode because Lamont was a big dummy. And this time we're going to a Big Ben to give the award to. Big Ben Roethlisberger, quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He gets it, and let me tell you why. First and foremost, I recognize that he's a very polarizing person. You either love him or you hate him. A lot of people feel like Big Ben has been able to do what the hell he wants to do, and he's been able to get away with things that other people would not have been able to get away with, from the motorcycle incident to the incident in the bar, and and there are a lot of ugly allegations, some substantiated, some in a gray area. That's a debate for another day. I happen to like, uh, I, I try to like Big Ben, but, but I respect Big Ben, and I like the Pittsburgh Steelers because I like Mike Tomlin. Now, I've hated the Pittsburgh Steelers for most of my life because if you grew up in the AFC Central, 
and you had to face Cleveland, Cincinnati, and Pittsburgh twice a year, and you're a Houston Oilers fan, which I was growing up, being a native Houstonian, I hated Pittsburgh for the most part. Now, I did appreciate them then because they were the lesser of my two enemies. And and I guess the saying says, uh, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Well, Pittsburgh was the arch rival of the Dallas Cowboys. I hated the Dallas Cowboys. So the enemy of my enemy was my friend, at least in the Super Bowl. So after we got robbed in the AFC Championship in 78 or 79, 79, I mean, they, you know, they went on. Won the Super Bowl, blah, blah, blah. The rest is history. Um, but uh, since then, with Mike Tomlin, uh, I am a fan of the organization. So back in, during the season, I think September, early in the year, he blew out his elbow, had major elbow sur- surgery. It ended his season and essentially ended the Pittsburgh Steelers' playoff chances. So that being said, Big Ben said then that he would not get a haircut or he wouldn't get a shave until he was able to throw the football again like an NFL quarterback. Well, earlier this week, he was able to do just that. He completed passes, uh, working out with his receivers in a very informal workout. So in keeping his word, Big Ben went to get a haircut and a shave. The problem is this. Many counties, including Allegheny County, are in the yellow phase of reopening, which means that the barbershops and hair salons can't be open. Those establishments will be reopened once the counties move to the green phase during this coronavirus pandemic. So, again, an example of Big Ben doing what the hell he wants to do. Not even the governor of Pennsylvania was happy about it. During his daily briefing, Pennsylvania Governor Tom Wolf criticized Roethlisberger's recent trip to Norman's cutting edge to get a haircut and a beer trim. And so, essentially, he said, my concern is just a general concern. Anybody who puts himself or herself into harm's way is something that I think we have to try to avoid. And and again, this goes back to something I was talking about. This is different. You know, individual rights, you have the right to do whatever the hell you want to do. Bully for you. Rah, rah. Sis, boom, bah. You do what you do. But the problem with the coronavirus is that while you may get it and you may get sick and recover really quickly, you also expose other people knowingly or unknowingly to this virus and you put other people in danger. So again, it's just not a good look. If for a guy who is a polarizing figure, come on, man, why don't you have him come to your house? Do I mean, what are you doing? I mean, there's ways to do what you do and not be so uh, out there about it, especially when you do want people, if you care. Maybe he doesn't care. He probably doesn't give a damn. Most people don't. If you're doing what you want to do, you don't give a damn what other people do anyway, and you don't care who gets sick. And he did exactly what he wanted to do. It wasn't a good look. Not, not, it doesn't, you shouldn't put him in jail. He shouldn't get in trouble for this. But just a whole kind of move that's consistent with what people think about Big Ben. Uh, and, and you can go round and round on a lot of different issues on why people think that. But for you to do what you did, calling unnecessary attention to yourself during the time of a corona pandemic that is killing well, almost 10,000 people a, a week. Something like that, something crazy like that. We're at ninety thousand now, uh, over ninety thousand deaths. For you to do that and be sort of uh, tone deaf, you are Big Ben, a big dummy. You big dummy. <laughs> <laughs> now again, 
again, depending on your views on coronavirus, you'll have one take or another. That's my take. Be responsible, man. Look, because again, you you'll probably be fine. We know that young people are faring for the most part okay with this but there are people with pre-existing conditions and not only that when people see you do it of course they're gonna want to do it and again this thing you know i don't care what you, what you hear what you look at the numbers if you don't look at anything look at the numbers over ninety thousand people are dead and counting and we're not even in the june yet we'll be over a hundred thousand by june you know say what you want and people will but that's just a dummy move to me and that's not a good good uh really a, a conscious sort of decision when you uh hold a place of sort of respect uh, especially in that area so with that before i let go before i let go before I let go, I want to thank all... Well, let me start with my sponsor, Cobank Homes. I want to thank Cobank Homes. If you, uh, you're looking for a house, some of you will be. Um, maybe you want to upgrade. They say when there's blood in the streets, buy land. <laughs> that is such a terrible, terrible thing to say. But nonetheless, Cobank Homes, want to thank him. want to thank all the folks who took time out to call. want to thank our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy. want to remind you, if you have music that you want to send our way, music at wagewordproductions.com. Also, want to remind you guys to go to the website, wagewordproductions.com. Also, you can find me on social media, on Twitter at wagesword, and, of course, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page and group on Facebook. Man, I had a great time. It will not take as long moving forward. Sorry about the hiatus. Blame it on Corona. But in the meantime, please social distance. Say, stay safe. Keep. I mean, hey, look, it can wait. Whatever you want to do, it'll be there. Unless it's certain businesses. They'll close, but there'll be others. But just be safe because you can't enjoy anything if you're in the hospital for 20 days or if you're dead. So please be careful. Love you guys. Thank you so much. Want to send this uh, out to all the folks who made the ultimate sacrifice and gave their lives for our country. Hey, we certainly appreciate that you died so I can do what I do and we can live the way we live and do whatever in the hell we want to do. Thank you so much. And to all the families who suffered loss, want to think about all of the troops and the veterans who uh, gave their lives uh, in, um, in protection of our country. Getting out of here, but as always, remember these four things. Number one, I don't do no favors after six o'clock in the evening. Two, I ain't got no money. Three, I'm not harboring any fugitives from justice. And four, bye. This has been the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Remember, you can follow him on Twitter at Wade's Word. Thank you for listening. I can stand you up I don't wanna talk